It's finally here. Game week at Ohio State. After eight months of offseason buildup, it's finally time for the Buckeyes to return to the field. Safe light field, to be exact, (laughs) at Ohio Stadium as the Ohio State football team prepares to play its first game of the 2022 season against Notre Dame. Griffin, it feels like we've been talking about this game for eight months. I'm so glad that we finally get to watch football on Saturday and have some new actual football to talk about next week. And it's a big one, Dan. It it certainly is a big one. You know, at at the press conference on Tuesday, a lot of media there. There's an electricity in the air, I almost feel like. You can kind of hear even, you know, in Jim Knowles' voice, Kind of a, a gruff, you know, It's it, that's the, the sound of a man that's been losing his voice, probably losing a lot of sleep as well. And Dan, I don't know if you're going to be calling it Safe Light Field. I probably won't be personally, but, you know, no matter what you're going to call it, we're all going to be watching what happens on that field at Ohio Stadium on Saturday night. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Ohio Stadium and the shoe, but I had to call it Safe Light Field. For anybody who was not aware, Ohio State announced last week that the, the playing surface at Ohio Stadium is now called Safe Light Field, which generated a lot of reactions. This is the first time Ohio State has ever sold the naming rights of the field, and so... You know, certainly at a tradition-rich school like Ohio State, that's not something that everybody loves to see. But the stadium itself is still called Ohio Stadium. We can all still call it a shoe. So I think we're going to stick with that, that the Saturday's game is going to be played at the shoe. And like you said, this it's not hyperbole to say this is the biggest season opener in Ohio State history. There has never been a season opener in Ohio State's long-storied history where both teams entered the game ranked in the top five of the preseason AP poll. So it really doesn't get any bigger than this in terms of a season opener. And I think that's what creates so much excitement going into this game because, you know, of course, you know, Buckeye fans are expecting a win on Saturday night, but this is going to be a competitive game. And, you know, after all this talk in the offseason about how great this team is, how the offense is going to be unstoppable and the defense is going to be so much better, all that talk is great. But on Saturday night, we're going to find out if it's actually real. Yeah, and, and not only are these teams, you know, two such prestigious programs, highly ranked, you know, teams going into the season as well, but obviously we've talked ad nauseum about all the connections with the coaching staffs, you know, and with Marcus Freeman obviously taking over former Buckeye, some inflammatory comments over the offseason that, that rubbed fans the wrong way. I think we, we, we talked, you know, in, in the months leading up to this game that surely in the, the actual game week itself with all the media you know, obligations for both sides that that somebody would say something that would certainly, you know, flare up the, the fan base one way or another. But then so far, I mean, it seems like from both sides, having heard now from Marcus Freeman and Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, some of the Buckeye players, that, you know, both both sides have kind of avoided the, the bulletin board material pretty well so far, wouldn't you say? Yeah, there's still time for it to happen. I mean, we're recording on Tuesday afternoon. I know Notre Dame players are going to be speaking to the media on Tuesday night. Numerous Ohio State players are going to be meeting with the media on Wednesday night. So there's still time for someone to say something that gets the other side riled up. But I think Marcus Freeman specifically, he he's really wanted to take the focus off himself in the buildups of his game. He said repeatedly that, you know, this isn't about me returning to my alma mater. This is about getting my team ready to play. And so, you know, I think, you know, certainly some of those questions, some of those 
comments he made in the past. You know, maybe he would take those back now this week that he might have given some bulletin board material to Ohio State. Although he 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 does feel like he has a little bit of bulletin board material of his own, not based on anything Ohio State has said, but on what the odds makers have said. Because Ohio State right now, as of Tuesday afternoon, is a 17 and a half point favorite for this game, which I get why the spread is that because I think the expectations for this Ohio State offense are so high. Ohio State's going to have that home field advantage. Notre Dame is coming into this game with a first-time head coach, a first-time starting quarterback, and I think there's a lot more unknowns about Notre Dame probably than there are about Ohio State, at least on the offensive side of a ball. But I still think that 17.5 point spread's a little high. What about you, Griffin? I think it's high as well, Dan. And, you know, we'll get into maybe some of our our score predictions and things of that nature a little bit later on in the show. But if you guys were listening last last week and we broke down our our confidence ratings in terms of, you know, which games we think are going to be the the biggest threat to Ohio State's ability to run the table this season, you know, in the regular season. And I've got Notre Dame as as the the highest one just because of, you know, uh, some of the stuff we're going to get into here in terms of it's the debut of the Jim Knowles defense. We don't know if there's still kinks to, to kind of iron out. And spoiler, I will say, you know, I, I still have, and it's not a spoiler if you listen to last week's show, but I, I do have Ohio State winning this game, although I don't think it'll be quite as comfortable as the odd makers, you know, have it there. And I think, you know, that is something that could get you know, the Notre Dame side a little bit fired up because that spread is definitely an eye-catching one for sure. And really what that spread speaks to is, the public's confidence that Ohio State is going to win this game because the spread didn't start out that high. I know at one point, I think it was like 14 or 14 and a half and it's climbed up. So that means a lot of the betting public thinks Ohio State is going to win this game by three plus scores. But, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, obviously this is a first game for Jim Knowles' defense. So many unknowns. I mean, everybody's been asking me, you know, what do you expect from this Jim Knowles defense? And I think that's, kind of a fun of going into this game is we really don't know what to expect. Like you can look back at what he's done at Oklahoma state and you can get an idea, but Ohio state has purposely not given away all the secrets of what this defense is going to look like. And so certainly I think for us as people who follow the team, at least for me, I think one of the biggest things I'm going to be paying attention to on Saturday night is just what are they doing defensively? And then I think on Sunday and Monday, when I go back and rewatch the game, I'm going to really be locking in on, okay, what did they do defensively? Breaking that down. I'm sure our guy Kyle Jones will have a great film study next week on, on what Ohio State did schematically on defense. Because without a doubt, I think that is the number one question about Ohio State going into this game. Yeah, I think schematically, some of the more interesting things are going to be you know, what the safeties are kind of doing, what the linebackers look like under Jim Knowles. Obviously, with the defensive line, you have that that jack position as well, which has been talked about, you know, definitely more so a few months ago than it has been kind of in the lead up to this. But I think, you know, it, there's less confusion about necessarily what the defensive line is, is going to do more than there is. Is it going to be as effective as we've heard that that it's been all, you know, preseason long? Because, Dan, everyone's been hyping up this, this Ohio State defensive line, and it certainly has the talent and personnel-wise to, to match those kind of expectations. But it sounds like everyone, you know, at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center has been seeing that, you know, on full display over the past couple months here. It's going to be really interesting to see who plays all on defense, too. Like, I think we're probably going to see 10 defensive linemen in this game. I think that, to some degree, Zach Harrison, Jack Sawyer, JT Tuimolowal, 
Tyler Friday, Javante Jean-Baptiste are all going to see the field at defensive end. But who are going to be the guys that are really getting the most snaps when the game is on the line? I've been on record saying I think JT Tuimoloau and, and Jack Sawyer are going to be those guys. So Zach Harrison certainly getting in there for a healthy mix of snaps too. But, you know, when Larry Johnson talks about who that alpha dog on the defensive line is going to be, I, I still go back to thinking it's probably either JT Tuimoloau or Jack Sawyer just because, I mean, these are the two highest rated recruits on the entire team. These are guys that now that they're going into their sophomore years, they're supposed to become superstars. And so I'm really intrigued. Those those are definitely two of the guys I'm going to be watching most closely in this game just to see, can they take that next step? Can they start to become the major difference makers that we expect them to be? You know, I think defensive tackle, I think there's going to be a lot of ro- rotation there as well. I think Teron Vincent and Jerron Cage will probably start, but I think Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton are going to get in there. And the way everybody's talked about Mike Hall this preseason, I'd be surprised if we don't see him get some snaps too. I think at linebacker, you know, we're probably going to see mostly Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg take most of the snaps. You know, maybe Chip Trainum mixes in there a little bit. Maybe, you know, Cody Simon or Taraja Mitchell, you know, if they do some free linebacker stuff, maybe Taraja Mitchell gets in there as a Sam, but... I think for the most part, we're probably going to see Tommy and Steele take most of the snaps at that position. I think similarly at corner, I think it's going to be mostly Denzel and Cam Brown. You know, depending on Jordan Hancock's health, maybe either Hancock or J.K. Johnson gets in there for some snaps. But I think if Burke and Brown are full go, my guess is we see them play the vast majority of snaps at those two outside cornerback spots on Saturday night. But I think maybe the position I'm most interested in seeing what they do is safety because we've heard lots of great things about Ronnie Hickman and Josh Proctor and Tanner McAllister. But, I mean, Leif and Ransom, I mean, Jim Knowles, that the last two press conferences, he's been asked for a guy who stands out, and both times he's brought up Leif and Ransom. So the way he's talking about Leif and Ransom would make you think he's going to have a role. I also think that potentially Court Williams might be the best guy to match up with Michael Mayer in this game. So I think Court Williams is going to have a role, too, I think it's more likely, just based on everything we've heard, that instead of seeing a free linebacker package in this game, I think maybe we see Court Williams come in the game and kind of function as that third linebacker at times when maybe they want a, a bigger body in there. And so that's maybe the position I'm most interested to see how they rotate because it seems like those you know, Hickman, Proctor, McAllister are all guys they really like and they want those guys on the field a lot. But it, it seems as if, Court Williams and Leif and Ransom are going to have roles too. And maybe that means we see, you know, dime packages or maybe even a a seven DB package gets thrown in there on a third and long. I know our Kyle Jones said he, he thought based on what Jim Knowles was saying that we would see some of those six and seven DB packages. So it's going to be really fascinating to see what Ohio State does defensively and finally get some answers to that question of what this defense really is going to look like. Yeah, and you talk about key matchups in this game, the, the one with Michael Mayer there, the, the tight end for Notre Dame. I think he had like almost 30 more catches than any other player on the Notre Dame offense last season. And, you know, it, it's interesting what you talk about with the safeties there in Court Williams, because obviously Court Williams starting out in the spring there with Josh Proctor still coming back from injury. He was a first string guy there at the, the bandit safety position. Then you get Proctor coming back in while Williams dealt with a little bit of a, an injury issue. And, and took the, those reps away from and, and you know, much of what we've seen from Ohio State. But this figures to be, like you said, maybe a matchup where Court Williams would be used more than in other games for Ohio State. 
on defense there. Save me, save me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I think that Michael Mayer, I, to me, I, I think stopping him is probably going to be the number one key for Ohio State's defense because Notre Dame has a very inexperienced receiving core. You know, Lorenzo Styles, the older brother of Sonny Styles, and of course the son of former Ohio State linebacker Lorenzo Styles. He's probably going to be Notre Dame's top receiver last year. He showed some flashes last season, but he's still, you know, a young, fairly inexperienced guy. And so particularly with a first-time starting quarterback being in there in Tyler Buckner, you know, I think Mayer's going to kind of be that security blanket for him, that guy that you know, they're really going to be looking to to try to move the chains in those, you know, second and third down situations. And so I think, you know, taking him out of the game is going to be priority number one, along with stopping the run, because, you know, Notre Dame, they don't they don't have a ton of, of proven depth at running back. But you have to figure that with an inexperienced quarterback, Notre Dame's going to try to establish the run. Marcus Freeman talked a lot about that on Monday, about how key running the ball and stopping the run is going to be to this game and you know I think if you're Ohio State you you want to force Tyler Buckner to have to make plays of his arm first time starting quarterback a guy who ran the ball more than he passed it as a freshman you know an athletic guy a dual threat guy a lot of talent but making his first start against a brand new defense on the road in primetime that's an intimidating situation. And so I think if you're Ohio State, the more you can force Buckner to have to make plays through the air and potentially force him into making mistakes, the better. It was interesting to hear Jim Knowles' philosophy on, you know, facing a first-time starter at quarterback as well. He was he was asked at the press conference on Tuesday, you know, did you go back and watch high school tape on the guy? He said, no, I don't go back, you know, that far. He has, you know, played at what he has, he has like something like 30 pass attempts or something like that as you mentioned, ran the ball more. You know, maybe that creates more problems for the Ohio State defense as well in terms of the versatility of, of what they can do on offense. Obviously, Notre Dame has had some some injury issues leading up to the the game here as well. You talk about Avery Davis is the name, I, I believe, of the, the wide receiver for Notre Dame that, that suffered a season-ending injury. That can't help matters for a guy like Buckner that's coming into his you know first start here in this very high-profile matchup. An injury to a, a four-star running back as well over the offseason for Notre Dame to kind of thin out that the depth there at that position. Jarrett Patterson as well, the, the best you know offensive lineman on the team dealing with a, a right ankle sprain. So that's another situation to keep an eye on. And I think comparatively, I think Ohio State, you know, isn't isn't dealing with quite as many injury issues, you know, aside from the fact that Evan Pryor, of course, the th- third string running back for Ohio State, suffered that season ending injury not long ago. It's an interesting question here from Minbuck. He asks, what point in yardage totals versus Notre Dame would indicate that the defense is good to great or still a concern? I I always think yardage totals are are tougher to to decipher because a lot of that can depend on the tempo of a game, just, you know, how the game plays out. But, you know, when you just look back, I mean, you think back to that 2019 season, which a lot of people are using for a, a measuring stick for this game. I mean, that defense did not allow more than 300 yards in any of its first 11 games. They didn't allow more than 400 yards until its final two games of a season. Now, you know, I'm not going to hold this defense to that standard in game one because, I mean, you're starting off with a top five opponent. You're starting off with what could be one of your toughest games of the year. And so, you know, I think if like if that's the bar, you know, if you're looking at that season and you go, okay, it's got they've got to be 
under 21 points and under 300 yards. I think that's that's a higher bar than I would set. But, you know, if you just look back, you know, you look back at last year, I mean, you look back at all the times they allowed, you know, over 400 yards. They they allowed over 400 yards six times last season. So, I w- you know, I would say in my estimation, if, if they can hold Notre Dame to you know, a mid-20s in points and around, you know, the 350-yard mark, I would say that would be a really good start for the defense. Yeah, and Dan, but it's it's also hard to draw conclusions like that on on stats in the first game of the season, you know what I mean? Because we don't know what Notre Dame is going to end up becoming by the end of the season. You know, by the end of if, if Notre Dame comes out and has an explosive offensive day, that doesn't necessarily mean that the, you know, the Jim Knowles defense was all for naught and it was all a failure because, you know, we could look back on this Notre Dame offense at the end of the season and say, hey, that was one of the better offenses Ohio State played all season, if not you know, per- perhaps, you know, the best offense they played all season. So I, I would say to someone asking that, you know, to, to kind of wait and see in that regard, obviously, if, if Notre Dame comes out and scores 50 points, there's going to be a, a lot of headlines written and a lot of angry Buckeye fans for sure. But I kind of think, think similarly to you, I kind of envision Notre Dame ending up kind of in that mid 20 point total there. When we get into our, you know, score predictions, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Griffin, you're saying that we shouldn't jump to season-defining conclusions about the season based on one game? I mean, I mean, I know people love football. I mean, <laughs> I people mean, love to do it. But. I mean, we, I mean, we just, I mean, we, we know that's just the reality that people are going to jump to conclusions no matter how this game plays out. Either this team is going to be the greatest team ever and they're going to win the national championship or there's going to be all these, all these concerns and flaws of the team. But I mean, I, I, you know, you know, I agree with you in principle that, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think that's one thing I would certainly warn. I mean, the, the big thing is if Ohio State gives up a touchdown on a first drive or something, like don't go into panic mode over one drive. Like don't, ex- you know, cause I think a lot of times, a lot of times the narratives of games, it's not even just the first game. Sometimes it's like the first quarter, like based on what people see in the first couple of possessions, they already form a narrative in their heads. So at least like watch the whole game before you jump to any conclusions. But yeah, I mean, my estimation is, I mean, it, I mean, it's clear Jim Knowles is confident in this defense. Like it's just clear the way he keeps talking about them. I mean, the, the, I mean, the way he was talking on Tuesday, a lot of very short but very confident answers. You know, he was set, he was asked, you know, how ready do you think the defense is? And he said, we're ready. I think we're 100% ready. And so it's clear, like, he's expecting a strong showing out of a gate. For me, you know, my, my expectations are a little bit more measured. Like, my feeling is, like, there's probably going to be some feeling out here. Like, there's probably going to be a couple drives where the defense doesn't look great. Like, there's probably going to be a big player too, if they give up. But I think, you know, if in totality, you know, if, if, if they can, you know, make the plays that they ultimately need to make to, to win the game, I mean, a game of this magnitude, you know, I mean, that's the thing about comparing it to that 17 and a half point spread is, you know, I think you set that spread. Now the expectation becomes Ohio State not just winning this game, but winning this game big. But in reality, this is a top five game to start the season. The only thing that really matters at the end of the day is coming out of there off a W. Dan, Ryan Day talked so much about all the, the interviews he did and conversations he had with Jim Knowles before bringing him on, you know, from Oklahoma State this offseason. And you, know, the, you, you have to think that, that the confidence that, you know, we're hearing from Jim Knowles right now in regards to his defense, if that, you know, sh- showed, sh- showed through in those conversations, that, that has to be something that Ryan Day really liked about Jim Knowles because 
he has an easy out to be like, hey, the, the defense was, you know, not not the best in the country last year or anything, you know, approaching that. It's, it might take some time. I, you know, my, my scheme is so complex. It's going to take a couple of weeks maybe to to settle in here. But he's not doing that. He's not building in any excuses for himself necessarily and anything he's saying in any regard in the build up to this game. He's like you said, he said the defense is 100 percent ready. He's very confident. And the, Ohio State's saying all the right things. We were kind of talking about this before we started recording. Like if, if fans are wondering how Ohio State is, has kind of tried to fix some of the issues we saw last year and some of their losses, they certainly aren't saying anything that, that gives me any concern, at least in the, the lead up to this game uh, right now. And as a fan, that's what you should want to hear, right? Like you should want to hear like, yeah, like we have high expectations. We're ready to go. Like not, not, you know, cause, cause even like last year, like you kind of felt that going into the season of like, there was so much talk about like, we don't have that much experience. You know, we got to work through things. You could kind of tell going into last season, just the way the coaches were talking, that they knew things were, they knew they were going to have some issues. You're not hearing that this year. I mean, you really are from top to bottom hearing a very confident group, a team that really believes it is in a different place than it was last year. I mean, I thought probably, probably the best quote of the day from Ryan Day was he was whether he was worried about the team buying too much into the preseason expectations and getting big heads. And he said, coming off of last year, I don't think there's any big heads around here. So, you know, this is a team that I think is coming into this game with a chip on its shoulder. This, this is a team that really feels like it has something to prove after losing two games last year. And so, you know, I, I, I really think we're going to see high-level football from Ohio State on Saturday night. I really think, you know, they're going to come into this game wanting to make a statement. But I, that also, in my mind, it doesn't mean that I think this game is going to be easy for Ohio State by by any stretch. And I think that's as much true in my mind for Ohio State's offense as it is for the Ohio State's defense. There's been so much focus on Ohio State's defense. But, you know, I think if you just look at a matchup standpoint, this might be the best defense Ohio State faces during the regular season. Notre Dame certainly has that capability with some of the talent they have on defense. They have one of the best pass rushers in the country and Isaiah Foskey. They've got one of the best safeties in the country and, and Brandon Joseph, the transfer from Northwestern. You know, I think you can look at the numbers from last year, Notre Dame, and say, okay, they were they were only 43rd in, in total defense. I'm looking at the stats now. They were... They were only 63rd in passing defense last year. So I think some people can look at that and lick their chops a little bit. Like, oh man, like, you know, CJ Stroud and Jackson Siff and Jig should have a field day against this defense. And they might. I mean, they're really, they're really good. So I'm certainly not saying that they won't. But I also think this is going to be a real test for this offense in game one. That doesn't mean that they won't ultimately put up a big number at the end of the day. But I don't think this game is going to be a walk in the park for Ohio State's offense by any stretch. Yeah, and we still have to think about the fact that Paris Johnson has never, you know, really played at left tackle for Ohio State before, given the fact that, you know, he, he did come out of high school. That was his natural position, obviously a five-star guy. But that is that still might be a bit of a, a feeling out process. And he kind of talked about some of the struggles he had right off the bat, you know, making that transition early on in the offseason. He seems to be a lot more confident in his ability right now, though. But you talk about Isaiah Foskey, a guy with, what, 11 sacks last season for Notre Dame. And Paris Johnson referred to him as a generational type pass rusher, which, you know, certainly seems like a daunting task for your first matchup, you know, at left tackle, such an important position on the offensive line for Ohio State. But at the same time, Paris Johnson also said, we've got, we've got a few guys like that in the Ohio State 
building as well. So it's not it's not as though he hasn't had some stiff competition to face there, you know, on on the, the line of scrimmage in practice. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, one thing we've heard so much from Ohio State's offense this offseason is how much better the defense has been in practice. And they think, you know, that's going to ultimately help them in the season because, you know, they've seen more different looks. They've faced more resistance. So I think that's a good thing going into a game like this against Notre Dame because I do think, you know, they're, they're going to face some resistance in this game. You know, I, I, I don't think that everything is going to come easily either in the passing game or the running game. But, you know, ultimately it's going to be their ability to, to work through whatever challenges they might face from the Notre Dame defense. And there's a lot of reason to be confident. I mean, with all the talent they have on offense, there's a lot of reason to be confident that Ohio State can ultimately put up a big number on the scoreboard. But, you know, again, you know, one, one thing that I, I do think is, you know, I think, you know, some people heard those comments from Marcus Freeman about, you know, stopping the run being a priority. And they're like, a lot of Ohio State fans were like, loving that. Like, oh, great. Like, you want to stop a run? Like, you're going to make C.J. Stroud pass the ball? Like, great. But to me, you got, you got to look at what happened last year. In the two games Ohio State lost, they really struggled to run the ball. And so that matters. In a game like this, Ohio State's got to be able to move the chains and pick up those tough yards on the ground. They got to be able to finish off drives in the red zone. And so I think in a game like this, while I, I do expect Ohio State to make big plays through the air, uh, they, they've got to be able to, to run the ball well. And to me, you know, that's the big that's the big question offensively is, you know, can that offensive line up front get that consistent push push in the trenches against what I think is a, a very good defensive line. Can they win those battles in the trenches and get those tough yards on the ground? I think that will go a long way toward determining whether Ohio State wins this game comfortably or whether Ohio State really ends up in a dogfight in this one. Yeah, it was kind of an overlooked comment by by Ryan Day, perhaps, when he was talking about, you know, the, the offense and the expectations and just the the notion of, oh, Ohio State's offense is going to show up and put up, you know, ridiculous numbers yet again this season. But he did say, you know, it was a long press conference. So if I if I misheard this or something like that, feel free to jump in, Dan. But I'm pretty sure Ryan Day said, you know, there, there are going to be some different wrinkles in the Ohio State offense this year. It's not going to be the, the same exact thing we saw last year necessarily. And he said part of that is the run game. Obviously, the, the one coaching staff change made was, you know, on the offensive line to, to help out with some of the, the short yardage run game stuff. And so, yeah, that's that's going to be a, a big indicator. And Brian Day even said, we might even see some Dallin Hayden in the game too, running back. I mean, I would not, you know, think that we would see all that much, especially given what we expect Travion Henderson to do. And I think what Mayan Williams can also show as well, what he has shown in the past. But interesting that Ryan Day, you know, uh, expressed confidence in Dallin Hayden, which he's now done on, on multiple occasions saying, you know, he, he's game ready right now. He, we, he could see some run against Notre Dame as well. Well, there has to be some new wrinkles in the offense because we've talked, there's been a lot of talk about how the, the advantage Ohio State could have from the fact that you know, Oklahoma State, you know, played against Notre Dame last year in the Fiesta Bowl. And, and you know, they ran a similar scheme to what Jim Knowles is now bringing to Ohio State and what, you know, Ohio State could potentially draw from that when the Ohio State defense is on the field against the Notre Dame offense. But, you know, you know uh, Bill Landis from Rivals now is where he's at. He, he asked the question on Tuesday about 
how Washington is on Notre Dame's defensive staff now and whether Ohio State would have to change up some of its signals on offense because of Al Washington having been at Ohio State and knowing what Ohio State's offense does. And so, you know, that's actually a wrinkle I hadn't even really thought of that much before he asked that question. So good question by him. But, you know, Ohio State, you know, has to be prepared for that too. I mean, Notre Dame has had eight months to look at what Ohio State did well on offense last year and to try to figure out ways to stop that from happening again this year. And so uh, Ohio State, even though Ohio State had the number one offense in the country last year, Ohio State can't just go into this game doing exactly what they did last year and expecting things to be easy. They, they, they have to bring some new looks, and that's always kind of a fun of the first game of a season, especially when it's a first game of a season between two teams that are this good, is you get that chess match of, okay, what different wrinkles are is each team going to have on both sides of the ball? And when you consider the fact that, okay, Ohio State has – almost an entirely new defensive coaching staff and a new offensive line coach who was the offensive coordinator at UCLA. And then you factor in that Notre Dame has a new head coach and almost an entirely new coaching staff from last year. Both these teams are going to look different than they looked a season ago, which means there's there's going to be, you would think, plenty of unexpected wrinkles on both sides. Because it's not like, you know, some, you know if Ohio State was opening the season against Arkansas State or Toledo, they would be trying not to show their whole hand in that first game. But you can't go into a game like this holding a lot back. And so we're going to get a real feel for what Ohio State's going to try to do this year on both sides of the ball. Not to say they won't introduce other wrinkles later in the season, but you can't go into this first game and keep things vanilla. Against a team like Notre Dame, you've got to go into this game and do whatever you think works best to try to win what's going to be one of your biggest games at a regular season. And something we were just talking about and a question that a lot of fans have, obviously, is a question of, of toughness, right? And we, we were talking about this before the show as well. You know, fans want to know what has Ohio State done to address that that toughness issue, the the fact that Michigan kind of called into question Ohio State's toughness, the style of play, you know, does Ryan Day's style of play, the pass-happy offense, you know, leave Ohio State at some something of a disadvantage in terms of the the grittiness and everything like that. And, you know, we, we haven't seen a ton of, of actual practice. You know, we had that one open practice where we were able to see some stuff. But I think if you wanted to point, point to one thing, and if this is a, a question from Kid Buckeye as well, kind of talking about all that stuff. If you wanted to point to one comment or, or person kind of t- talking about this directly in Tuesday's press conference, think about what Cade Stover said when he was asked about toughness. He said, when you come out and you have a camp like we had, pretty much leaving pads on all camp and no one complains, that pretty much means you're there. And I think that that kind of shows how that that question has been addressed by the Ohio State coaching staff. And, uh, you know, it'll the, the test is coming up on Saturday. So the, the words the words definitely sound good in that regard from Ohio State in, in terms of the the mindset to running the ball, the the grittiness. We've heard that term a lot. Obviously, the calluses that Ohio State has established. We talked about that being one of Ryan Day's go to this offseason. But we'll, we'll get to start seeing, you know, how, how much of that is real coming up this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I kind of hate the term soft and talking about a team being soft because, I mean, let's be real, if either one of us went out there, any of these, <laughs> any of these guys could destroy the heck out of us. So I'm, I'm never going to be the guy who's going to call a team soft like some people do. But, you know, just, just in terms of, you know, toughness, I mean, you've gotten the impression just based on what players have said that that's been a big point of emphasis this offseason. I mean, I'm, when, I remember when C.J. Stroud was on BTN a, a week or two ago 
and he he said something along the lines of Coach Mick is back to his old ways. So I think yeah, yeah. going all the way back to winter workouts, there's a big emphasis by Mickey Mirati and his staff put on building more toughness this year. And, you know, anybody who's watching the press conference probably heard I was asking a lot of questions about, you know, that emphasis on the, the run game on, on both sides of the ball because, you know, I do think that's a really important thing in this game. I, I think, you know, you go into a season, you go into a game like this, it's very tempting to just look at it and say, well, Ohio State should win this game because Ohio State has more offensive firepower. They've got the better passing offense. I mean, I think it, on paper, Ohio State clearly has an advantage in this game in, in terms of passing offense. And that could ultimately be the difference in the game. But I think it all starts with that idea of being tough in the trenches, of being able to run for those tough yards on offense and being able to make those tough stops on defense. When we saw it last year, when Ohio State wasn't able to do those two things, they, they suffered losses. And so to me, it all starts there. I mean, that's probably true of any game, but I think especially in a big game like this against a team like Notre Dame that you expect is going to be tough in those areas. I mean, Notre Dame, they, you know, they could be without Jared Patterson or at least not 100% Jared Patterson because he's dealing with a foot injury. He's questionable for this game. So that will hurt their offensive line, but they do still have a really strong offensive line, really strong defensive line. And so, you know, this... Like you said, this is going to be a test right out of the gates at the, the toughness of this team. And I think we'll have a lot more we'll have a lot more to say about that next week. And depending on how things go, fans will have a lot more to say about that, either good or bad. Well, Dan, you know, we've we've talked a lot about a lot of the matchups and, and ins and outs of this matchup, but I want to know just how tough you're going to be on the Ohio State fan base when you deliver your score prediction here for the big game. We both we already discussed about the spread. We both kind of see it as being a little maybe a little bit high. I'm, I'm perfectly willing to to admit that, you know, if Ohio State ends up winning by 21 points or something, I wouldn't be altogether shocked. But, you know, Dan, I think I'm ready to hear what you are thinking in terms of what the final score of Saturday's big game is going to be. Yeah, I'm going to go 38-24 in favor of Ohio State. I think Ohio State is the better team, I, I at least on paper. I think Ohio State should ultimately be able to win this game by multiple scores, but I think this is a game that's going to come down to the fourth quarter. I don't, I don't not, I do not think I, you know, I know there's people who think that Ohio state's just going to be go off to the races and win this game big. And like you, it wouldn't shock me if that happens, but that's not what I'm going to predict. I mean, it's the first game of a season. I, I think when you're going into a season, it's always tempting to just, you know, look at the stars and, 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 and look at the talent and, and think things maybe are going to be easier than they end up being when you actually take the field. And so I tend to believe this game is going to be closer than a lot of people think that, you know, there's going to be ups and downs in this game and, and, and Ohio State is going to have to go through some adversity to win this game. But I do ultimately think that, that Ohio State, you know, comes out on top by two scores in the end is my prediction. I've got it slightly closer, although a very similar score. I have to admit, I've got Ohio State 35, Notre Dame 24. I think that's still, you know, a, a good point total for the Ohio State offense to come out and in the first game against, as you mentioned, a very, very tough Notre Dame defense that has a lot of talent on there. I think Notre Dame scoring 24 points. I mean, maybe some fans are, are, are thinking that Jim Knowles is going to be able to, to make this turnaround where Ohio State 
it limits a, a top five team in the country to seven points or, or shuts them out or something like that. I just think that's a little bit unrealistic, perhaps. And in, in today's day and age of college football and everything like that, I think 24 points is you know a, a very solid mark for the Ohio State defense to hold a team to, especially considering what the Ohio State offense is capable of and the talent they have on that side. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would like to see Ohio State's number be a little higher in this game and Notre Dame's number be a little lower in this game. And again, I don't think Ivers will be shocked if that happens, but I also don't think anybody should be shocked if this game ends up being close because again, it's a top five matchup. You know, again, I mean, as you mentioned before, I mean, we don't really know going into this game how good Ivor team is. Like it could prove out that Ohio State is clearly better than Notre Dame. It, it could pan out that, you know, these teams are really evenly matched. And so we're going to find out on Saturday. The first game of a season is always fun, but yeah, I think we're both kind of in that same same ballpark there. Of we expect Ohio State ultimately, you know, comes out by a couple scores in the end, but doesn't run away with this one. It and you talk about this being the biggest season opener in program history, perhaps, and that is reflected as well, of course, on the recruiting side of things because there's just an absolutely massive list of visitors, you know, commits potential recruits you know, a high profile guests, you know, potentially on the Ohio State sideline this upcoming Saturday. And we, you know, Ryan Day had to field a lot of questions about that at the press conference on Tuesday as well. You know, as of our list on Tuesday afternoon, 59 visitors, 19 commits as well for Ohio State. Then I don't know if you, if you want to give us a little rundown here of who some of the, the most important kind of recruits and, you know, commits, targets, everything of that nature are, go- are going to be present in Columbus for this game. Yeah, we have a list up in the 11 Warriors forum, courtesy of Garrick Hodge, for all the visitors who are expected for this weekend's game. And I mean, it's impressive. You just look at the list and you see the number of five and four star guys. I mean, just scanning it really quickly, I see 13 five star recruits who are going to be in the shoe on Saturday. So this is, you know, without hyperbole, uh, one of the biggest recruiting weekends for a game day that Ohio State's probably ever had. And I think, especially when you think about kind of how this summer went with some of the ups and downs where, you know, Ohio State, you know, in, you know, kind of the end of camp season there and, you know, end of June, they seemed to have a lot of momentum. And then in July, they, they kind of lost momentum. And, you know, especially on the defensive side of a ball, lost out on some key targets. This is, I think, is a huge weekend for Ohio State to regain some momentum because, you know, really this, along with that Michigan game at the end of the year, are, are going to be the, the two really big recruiting weekends this fall before that signing day in December. And, you know, really most of the guys who are still, you know, major targets for Ohio State, you know, in this class and in the next class are, are going to be on campus this weekend. And that, that really starts off at the defensive end position because if you look at the the list of 2023 targets. Most of the 2023 guys on campus this weekend are going to be commits. The three guys who are not commits that are still major targets for Ohio State are Keon Keeley, who was committed to Notre Dame until a couple weeks ago and is now going to be at this game checking out Ohio State, along with Mateo Uyunglele and Damon Wilson. And you look at Ohio State's 2023 class, right now they only have two defensive linemen committed. One of them, Will Smith Jr., is definitely going to play defensive tackle. Another one, Jason Moore, could potentially end up moving to defensive tackle too. And so they really need to land a premier defensive end in this class. They... 
you know, I, it, you know, you never really want to characterize these things one way or the other, but you know, they had a chance at a couple guys the past couple of weeks, Jalen Thompson, who ended up committing to Michigan state, Desmond Numiazolu, who ended up committing to South Carolina. If Ohio state had pushed a little harder for those guys, they probably would have had a shot at landing commitments from both of them. They, they, they kind of didn't push as hard as they could have for those guys because of those three guys I just mentioned, Keon Keeley, Mateo Uyungole, and Damon Wilson. So Ohio State, I mean, they really need to land at least one of those guys to feel really good about their defensive line class this year. They'd obviously love to land multiple of those guys. And really for all three of them, this might be the most important weekend to Ohio State's chances of landing all of them. And I think if you're going to look at it right now, you would say that Ohio State's chances with Uyunglele and Wilson are probably better than their chances with Keeley because, you know, Keeley has made multiple visits to Alabama. He's, he's viewed as an Alabama lean at this point. This is their chance to turn the tide with Keeley and try to get him into the class. So a huge weekend on those recruiting efforts. But I think, you know, Uyunglele and Wilson – both of them are guys who don't talk publicly about their recruiting very much, so it's a little hard to read them, but it does seem like Ohio State's in a good spot with those guys. So, you know, if, if they can knock it out of a park this weekend, and that, I mean, really, that all starts with what Ohio State does on the field because, you know, Ryan Day was asked about it on Tuesday, and, you know, he acknowledged, like, the coaching staff is not going to have a lot of time to sit down and chat with these guys this weekend. They you know, maybe after the game on Sunday night, maybe, or Saturday night, you know, maybe Sunday morning, but, you know, during the day, Saturday, all of their focus is going to be on getting the team ready to, you know, go play this hugely important game against Notre Dame. And so for the most part, you know, it's going to be the recruiting staff working with these guys and, 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 you know, kind of showing those guys around. The coaches aren't going to be as active in recruiting these guys as they would be during a, a June official visit weekend, per se. And so, really, the most important thing is, you know, for that defense to, to come out and, and play well. I mean, that's most important, period, just in terms of Ohio State football. But that's going to have an impact on recruiting here as well because, you know, we keep hearing about, you know, the high expectations for his defensive line getting after the quarterback – if you're Keon Keeley or Mateo Uyangale or Damon Wilson, that's what you're going to want to see. You're going to want to see JT Tuimolowau and Jack Sawyer and Zach Harrison, those five-star defensive ends like you are now. You're going to want to see them playing like five-star defensive ends. You want them to leave that stadium on Saturday night, not only being impressed by the environment of playing under the lights, which is a big reason why Ohio State is bringing all these recruits in because they you know, expect it to be a great environment and they expect the recruits to be impressed by that. But you want those five-star defensive ends to leave there going, damn, that was impressive what those Ohio State defensive ends did. I can envision myself being the next guy doing that. Yeah, when you start to talk about all the things that kind of come along with this high-profile matchup, it, it just it just adds all this, the the pressure to it for a guy like you know Ryan Day, the, the Ohio State coaching staff, and that's why he kind of said when he was asked about the the tra- tra- tradition and you know prestige of these two programs in the moment, and also the recruiting stuff, he's kind of like, listen, I I can't focus on all that because you know you you have to keep the main thing the main thing, you have to win the game and perform there, and then everything else after that you know becomes a lot less stressful. Hell, Dan, even on the basketball side of things, there's a very high-profile visitor, you know, visiting this weekend, we think, with Bronny James, of course, LeBron James' own, you know, son coming to Ohio State. 
to visit for this huge matchup. We remember LeBron, you know, tweeting about this game, you know, months and months ago, asking, you know, when is the game or whatever, whatever rhetorical question he he, he asked there about the game on, on Twitter. Obviously, LeBron James has well documented that he said he would have come to Ohio State himself had he not foregone, you know, college basketball for the NBA draft back in the day. Bronny James, of course, lived part of his life in Ohio when LeBron James was, you know, winning a championship in Cleveland and everything like that. You know, his recruitment has been very kind of mysterious as, as such a high-profile, famous guy. You know, when I, I saw Bronny James in Indianapolis during an EYBL event, you know, a, a few months ago, and he had like a whole, he had a security guard there and was roped off in a little, a, a, with a, a velvet rope and everything like that. So, you know, not a ton of of really consequential leaks in terms of information and, and on his recruitment, but, you know, certainly a big deal because it's also it will be Bronny James's first publicly known about college visit as well. So you would think that that would be a pretty monumental thing for the basketball program. Although obviously it is a football game and there's a lot more happening on the football recruiting side of things. Was that the game where you got boxed in in the parking lot by all the cars and you, yes, you, that was you, the game. You were going to attempt to drive over the curb to get yourself out of a parking lot, or at least <laughs> somebody was encouraging you to do that. That was the game where I got qu- not double parked, but quadruply <laughs> parked in so that I could not move in any direction. Everyone's flooding my Twitter saying that I need to, you know, pull a MacGyver and fashion some type of lever to get out of the. I'm like, that was, trust me, it was not possible. And that was all because of Bronny James. That's the excitement that this young man, you know, brings potentially to a program like Ohio State. You know, people were flooding in. I was there the day before. There wasn't nearly as many people. But that's just a, a microcosm of, you know, the exposure that could bring to Ohio State, the basketball side of the program. That is. Yeah, it's hard to believe it at this game that potentially the recruit who might draw the most fanfare is a basketball recruit. But if, if Bronny James shows up as he's expected to, that'll probably be the case. I mean, that's what comes with being LeBron James' son. I mean, Le- just LeBron's presence himself is a big deal. And I think that's certainly something that Ohio State is excited about from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, that's another reason why they invite so many recruits to this game, because if you can have LeBron walking around the sidelines wearing Ohio State gear, and that, that's only going to help you when you know, you're talking about a guy who's maybe the most famous athlete in the world right now walking around on your sideline. That's, that's something that's certainly going to help you not only with basketball recruits, but football recruits. But you know, as, as you said, there's not really a whole lot of real information out there about Bronny James. I mean, there's, there's plenty of articles written about Bronny James because he is such a big name that, you know, I think if, if you know, literally anything, any, any, any kind of news comes out about Bronny James, there's a bunch of articles written about it just because he does have such massive name recognition. Not a whole lot of that that's real, actual, concrete information about what could happen in his recruitment. I mean, we really don't even know what offers he has because he doesn't he doesn't tweet out offers. You know, I think, you know, I'm sure LeBron is trying to shield his son from a lot of the attention and, and rightfully so. But just based on any intel at all that you've been able to gather, Griffin, like, do you think Ohio State has a real chance of Landon Bronny here? Or is this really more just he's coming along for the ride to come watch a huge football game with his dad. That could certainly be a possibility. But listen, <laughs> I think there's a legitimate chance for Ohio State. I've tried to do some digging, you know, to, you know, maybe not having the the greatest luck with, with trying to find the, the, the absolute closest to the source information, of course, as you would understand with Bronny James and everything like that. But I think there's a legitimate chance there because, you know, LeBron's ties to the Ohio State program. There's there's LeBron, you know, branding in the 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 room there at the at the shot, you know, all the, the LeBron shoes, the connection is certainly there. LeBron's obviously still a huge Ohio State fan. 
that's a program that Bronny James would have, you know, grown up certainly looking at for sure. And, and you know, you think maybe a guy like that would end up at a, at a Duke or Kentucky at schools that, that offered him like six years ago, something, or maybe even further back than that, like 2016, yeah, I guess six years ago. But you know, who knows? He, he has the, his pick of the litter for sure with the type of exposure it could bring to a program. I think the real question is what type of, you know, f- flying aircraft are LeBron and Bronny and, and company, whatever entourage is with them, going to descend from when they when they end up on the sideline? Because surely they can't just be coming in with the unwashed masses. Yeah, it's going to be quite a spectacle at FSU for, for sure in, in, in so many ways. And, you know, just, you know, get back to football quickly, too. I mean, it's not just those defensive ends who are major targets for Ohio State recruiting this weekend. I mean, you look at the list of 2024s coming in. I mean, there's eight guys who are currently five-star composite prospects. Those are uh, free, free wide receivers who are five stars. Josiah's a trader, Ryan Wingo and Jeremiah. I think Smith and Trader, particularly among them, they play on South Florida Express with Brandon Innes and Carnell Tate. Those are two really major targets for Ohio State in this class. You know, KJ Bolden, Mike Matthews, and Peyton Woodyard, that's three five-star safeties in the 2024 class. You know, they're going to get the chance to get the first look at this quote-unquote safety-driven defense that we keep hearing about from Jim Knowles. Ohio State's certainly looking to make an impression on those guys as well. You know, those are all guys they'd love to land. You know, particularly, I think, you know, Bolden, who is actually related to Perry Eliano and is the number four overall prospect in the country. And, you know, Peyton Woodyard, a guy they've been recruiting for a really long time. He's one of those guys who his decision could very well come down to Ohio State and Notre Dame. So when you have a guy like that in the shoe, you certainly want to get the win to kind of make that statement of, hey, this is why you should play for us not the team we just beat. So, you know, if you, you go to 11warriors.com, you can find that list. I know Garrick will have a, a full preview of this massive recruiting weekend on the site on Friday as well. So lots of recruiting coverage to come. In addition to much, much game coverage we have to come this week. And, and even game day coverage. Are you, are you excited for this Jack Harlow concert on Saturday? Well, Dan, I, I, I don't know how excited I am about that. Listen, I mean, the 2002 National Championship winning Ohio State team is going to be here to get commemorated. Obviously, 11 Warriors is having the, the event at Land Grant on Friday as well, you know, to, to, to kind of commemorate that as well. So you'd think, you know, hey, maybe maybe Jim Tressel comes out of the woodworks and, and is the guest, guest pick, picker. You know, anybody, anybody. But no, it's Jack Harlow who doesn't really have any actual ties. He's a Midwest guy. I think he's from like Louisville or something like that. But, you know, I'm not a big Jack Harlow fan. I, I can't a- admit to being one. I'm not sure how many people listening are either. Uh, the, de- the demographics of this podcast, but I don't, maybe Dan listens to, to Jack Harlow in his car on the way to the game. But, you know, I, I'll leave that to him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I like a couple of his songs. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that I'm the world's biggest Jack Harlow fan, but I do know who he is. I know there's probably some listeners out there who are, are saying, who, who's Jack Harlow or, or, or could care less about J- Jack Harlow. I mean, he is, he is a, you know, very famous musician right now. I know he's somebody who has a massive fan base and, you know, obviously, you know, ESPN's looking to bring in viewers probably from a younger demographic. They probably figure, you know, the demographic ESPN's probably really targeting here, they probably figure, well, Jack Harlow's going to bring in more viewers than Jim Trestle might. Now, I think <laughs> for, for diehard Ohio State fans, they'd like to see somebody who's affiliated with Ohio State. I mean, for me, the obvious pick would have been LeBron James. We know he's going to be here. Now, he, like you said, he's probably going to be flying in on a private jet. He might not even be in Columbus by the time game day's on, so that might be the reason why he's not. But like to me, 
that would have been the obvious choice. Get LeBron James on game day. You know, I think getting somebody if that 2002 team would have been really cool, but the 2002 team certainly is going to have its, its moments to be celebrated this weekend. Uh, we are going to be at the event at a land grant on Friday. I, I think tickets are sold out for that now, but 11 Warriors hosting an event with the 2002 team. Jim Trestle's going to be there. Mark D'Antonio is going to be there. Mike Doss, Bobby Carpenter, Maurice Claret. I think about 18 different people from that 2002 team at least are going to be there. So really looking forward to that. That's going to be a, a, a lot of fun to, to, to be there and get to talk to some of those guys and see that team be celebrated both on Friday night and on Saturday night in the shoe, they're going to be recognized. Ryan Day said on Tuesday that he's excited about that. You know, said he's built a great relationship with Jim Trussell and views Trussell as a great resource to him. So I think a lot of people are going to be happy to see Jim Trussell get his due. I mean, he hasn't been back at Ohio State that much since obviously what happened back in 2011. But I think there will be a very loud ovation in the shoe on Saturday night when, when Jim Trussell gets recognized. I have been told that Garrick Hodge will be wearing a tuxedo and perhaps also his signature X Games hat at the Land Grant event on Friday. So look out for no, pictures no of that. sweater vest. E- either that or the sweater vest, which we've been told by the you know the higher ups at Eleven Warriors that there might be money on the line if one of us does show up to the event in such attire. I was Jim Trussell for Halloween one year, so I would love um, to see that. <laughs> somewhere deep in my closet, do have a, a a sweater vest, but I think it's been a while since I've worn it. And the Dan Hope vaults somewhere somewhere in the crates. Yeah, we might have to dig that one out. Another question here from from Gin and Juice: Will Chase Brown keep the? Uh, he didn't say this, but also the iconic format of the game day skull sessions, which you know are titled "Get Dumped Then Insert Team." Dan, I think you have probably more insight into that than I do. Yeah, it's up to Chase. I mean, I've 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 encouraged Chase to establish his own voice as the leader of our skull sessions. And so I'm going to leave that up to him, whether he wants to continue the get dumped Ven tradition or whether he has something else up his sleeve. But I am looking forward to reading his first game day skull session on Saturday. He's been doing a great job for us in his first few weeks here. And, you know, hope everybody's been reading his skull sessions because, you know, he had big shoes to fill. You know, Kevin Harris did a great job for us and and DJ Burns did a great job for us before him. But Chase has been doing a really good job. Really happy to have him here on on the team and uh, looking forward to continuing to read his work throughout the season. I I do have to throw in there also because Garrick Hodge uh, uh, implored me to bring this up on the podcast. I think a a few months ago, Garrick mentioned the nickname Catholic Gronk in reference to Michael Meyer, the, the Notre Dame tight end. Then do you think that could be a viral nickname that catches on this year? Yeah, it's it's a pretty good nickname. I mean, if he has a big game on on Saturday, maybe maybe it'll be out there. I mean, I've, I've definitely heard that nickname used for him before, so pretty good nickname. So we're not we're not crediting Garrett, Garrett Hodge with either. No, I've 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 heard other people use that name before, so I, I think that one's already out there. But it, it is a fun nickname. Nice try, Eric. Nice try. Well, I hope you all have enjoyed listening to this week's episode of Real Pod Wednesdays. We know you all are ready for Saturday to get here and to watch some Ohio State football, and we are too. That game, of course, kicking off, I believe 7.44 is the specific kickoff time for that game on ABC, Ohio State versus Notre Dame. We'll be there. Garrick will be there. Chase will be there. We will all be at the shoe on Saturday. Tons of coverage coming your way on 11 Warriors. So be sure to stick with 11warriors.com all week throughout the weekend next week to see our coverage leading up to the game, during the game, after the game. 
And we'll be back at you next Wednesday here on Real Pod Wednesdays to talk about everything we learned from the first game. So thanks for listening in and talk to you all after we've watched a game. <laughs>